I thought the 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 Patriots were completely outclassed, outcoached um, by the Dallas Cowboys in all three phases. I thought the the Patriots weren't. Uh, I didn't think that they were prepared for this game. I didn't think that they came out well at all in any of the phases of the game, and um, you know that's a big issue. The Greg Bedard Patriots podcast is brought to you by FanDuel, the exclusive wagering partner of the CLNS Media Network. That was ugly. That was brutal. That was horrific. That was horrendous. Any adjective that makes you just want to puke, you can throw it out there about this game against the Cowboys. We're going to get into it. And Greg has stats. He has thoughts. I have thoughts. But before that, I want to tell you this episode of the Greg Bedard Patriots podcast with Nick Cattles is brought to you by FanDuel, the exclusive wagering partner of the CLNS Media Network and AG1, the daily foundational nutrition supplement that supports whole body health and factor America's number one ready to eat meal kit and odds are the mobile app that you need to know what bets of the day are the smart ones. All right, Greg, before we get to Cowboys Patriots from Sunday and that dreadful, dreadful game we watched, let's start with a part of that dreadful game because it wasn't only losing the game the way that you did in humiliating fashion. You also lost two of your best defensive players. And of course I'm talking about Christian Gonzalez and Matthew Judon Uh, Gonzalez sounds like he has a torn labrum. And he's getting a second opinion to see how long he might be out. That's TBD. Adam Schefter earlier today reported that Judon has a torn biceps. And he's going to be out for at least two months. He's having surgery on Wednesday. Just your thoughts on those two losses. Yeah, I mean, um, you know, not good on both fronts. I think that um, at least with Matthew Judon, the Patriots have numbers at edge. They have options. It's... um, one of the few places that in safety where they have depth on this team. Um, So, you know, they have options. Um, I don't like that Matthew Judon was on the field late in that game. They had plenty of other guys they could have played. They could have gotten Josh Uche more every down reps. They could have played Anthony Jennings. They could have played Jelani Tavai. They could have played Cleon White. You know, Judon's one of the first guys that should be out in a blowout. Um, that's I, I think that we would be, we would both agree uh, on that. Um, you know, I, I would as far as how the Patriots move forward there. Um, you know, I do think Jennings will get some of the snaps. The, I think they will entertain Keon White. I think he's he's a guy who has shown that his uh, you know future is standing up on the edge, and he can be very strong on that side. So I'd like to see him get. Uh, more reps. I doubt they do the Josh Uche thing. He didn't have some. Uh, he he had a t- couple of tough run reps in this game as well. Uh, so I think they just keep him in his role. Um, Dietrich Wise is also an option. Gonzalez, you know, disappointing um, because you know the kid was off to a great start this year. Um, you know, the Patriots, if they can get somewhat healthy, if they can get Jack Jones off of IR this week, I don't know whether that's going to happen. Sounds like it's not going to happen. Marcus Jones down the line. John Jones needs to play now. Uh, he's sort of been has been getting better with the, I think he has an ankle injury, but they're basically sort of back to where they were last year. Um, you know, towards the end of the year with you know John Jones and sort of assembly of guys. So it's 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 not good, but you know, it's better that they lose people on defense at this point than than offense. And and uh, yeah, we'll have to see where they go from here. Yeah, look, they won eight games last year without Christian Gonzalez, but you need Jonathan Jones and Jack Jones back healthy, ready to play. 
And I agree with you about Judon. You know, I posted on X on Sunday. Why is Judon in the game? What are we doing? And the idea that he was out there playing angers me enough. But then to again see Bill Belichick handle the post-game question the way he did is just so disingenuous. It slaps everybody in the face. It's taking zero accountability for having your best defensive player out there on the field when you're down by four freaking touchdowns on the road. You have no chance of coming back. And for Bill to stand up there and give us the, well, somebody's got to play. Yeah, Greg just mentioned all the names that could have played instead of Matthew Judon. And I'm just, I'm sick of that BS. And everybody else should be sick of the BS. It's okay to handle questions like that when you're winning Super Bowl after Super Bowl and you've done what you've done for the first two decades. It's okay. The first two years, I'll even give the benefit of the doubt. Maybe even last year, I'll give you some leeway. But after what this team has done, what are they, 30 and 34 since they started 8-0 and in 2019, and he still goes up there at the podium and he handles questions like that? Like, we're not stupid, Bill. You have other guys out there to play. Oh, wait a minute. So you didn't stop the game when Judon got hurt? You actually continue to play defense? How's that? I thought Judon was like the only guy you could play. Ridiculous. Um, all right, so the Cowboys game uh, wasn't good. <laughs> Just be- before we get into specifics, which we're going to, as we always do, on this pod, just kind of your your general thoughts about the game and also people's reaction to the game, Greg. Yeah, now, you know, look, I thought the the, the Patriots were completely outclassed, outcoached um, by the Dallas Cowboys in all three phases. I thought the, the Patriots weren't uh, – I didn't think that they were prepared for this game. I didn't think that they came out well at all in any of the phases of the game, and, um, you know, that's a big issue. We'll get into the quarterback and and his day, but in general, you know, I've heard some of the reaction, and you know, it's typical. And I understand, and I encourage it. And you know, you everyone's fans, and and I understand the passion, love the passion. Um, it's what helps us have this podcast. It's what helps me have BSJ. Yep. Um, but I do think people need to calm down a little bit. It is not the end of the world that the Patriots are one and three and that they got their asses handed to them on national television, that their quarterback looks like a mental midget out there. <laughs> it, I, I, I know how bad it looked. Okay. It, it was bad. Um, and I, I really can't find many people. I mean, there's a few people out there probably that think that, you know, they, they actually, you know, were in this game, even if, even if Mac played well or, you know, managed the game that they were going to be in this game, they weren't, they were, they were completely outclassed in this game. Uh, but I think people just need to calm down. Okay. It, for these reasons, number one, I think most of us before the season predicted that they would be one and three at this point. Um, they had a very tough open to the season. Um, you know, now given hindsight and looks looking what has happened this year, you know, the Philadelphia Eagles, they're, they're four and zero. They're off to a slow start. They're not playing well. Still, four weeks in, they didn't play well against the Patriots. They're still not playing well. They're sort of like the new Patriots, where they can basically sleepwalk through the first four weeks and be four and zero and work on things and get better as the season goes on. But between the Eagles, the Dolphins, and the Cowboys, excuse me, yeah, you're talking about three of the best, probably top five teams in the league. Right. Do you now. mean? Do you, hold and, on, hold on. Do you mean? The, did you mean the Dolphins or the Jets? Because you had the Dolphins. Oh, sorry. Did I did I say the Jets? Yeah. 
Okay, sorry. No, no you so, said the Dolphins. <laughs> oh, you mean three I, of the I'm, top five defenses, right? So that would be the Jets, the Eagles, and the Cowboys. No, I, I'm just talking in general about teams. Oh, like, okay. Eagle, okay, my bad. The Eagles are the Eagles are a top five team. The Dolphins are a top five team, and the Cowboys are. Yep. Yeah. Uh, three top five, six. They're just the, this is the upper echelon of the league. You're not there. I think we all knew this. Uh, you know where this team is, and. You know, they played competitively in two of the games. They got shellacked, but that happens. And also, when you look at it from the the offense going against those defenses, all four of those defenses, well, not the Dolphins, but you can't block, so you make the Dolphins look even better. (laughs) But, you know, three of the teams have awesome defenses. And, you know, so when you look at the, you know, there's a lot of numbers out there. These are what the Patriots is averaging right now. This is what they did under Matt Patricia. Like, please spare me. Like, it's not, it's not apples to apples. Okay. Like it's the, we're not talking about the same thing. The Patriots, especially their offense has had an extremely tough schedule to start this year. Um, they have a new coordinator. Things take time. And so, you know, look, it's Sunday was horrible in a lot of respects, and I'm not going to downplay that and minimize it. Um, but it's just one game. They're they're okay. Let's see what happens the next two weeks. To me, the season comes down to the next two weeks. If they win these two games coming up, then you know they're on track where a lot of us thought they would be. So, um, just I think the hysteria needs to calm down a little bit. Yeah, I thought you were talking about the defenses. That's my bad. I I meant the top three, three of the top five defenses, obviously. But, yes, you know, those three teams are three of the best teams in the league so far. It's a good point, and it's the right point. And, you know, look, I I understand this idea of the Matt Patricia stuff. And sometimes I'm I'm big into numbers. Greg says that sometimes, right? I'm big into analytics. Greg's into numbers, too. He's Don't don't let him fool you. He's going to give you numbers later on this offensive line. But even even if we just said it was the same schedule from last year, yeah, you had Ramondre Stevenson looking like a different guy. You had Jacoby Myers and not Juju Smith-Schuster. Your offensive line, even though it wasn't playing great, was much better than it's been this year so far. So what, what would Matt Patricia's offense and Joe Judge's offense look like, given some of these conditions and circumstances? As far as one game, I agree with you. We'll get into the quarterback in a little bit because I feel the same way about team as I do quarterback. Um, but even more so about the quarterback than the team, look, it's, it's one game and nobody should be judged by their worst game or their worst moment. No team should be judged by their worst game or worst moment. So it's about, you know, what we see over the body of work. And I know you got to do a show today, but we got to do a pod this week. But the the idea is if they win the next two games and it's three and three, do we look back and go, oh, man, that was the end of the world. It was the end all be all that Cowboys game. No, we won't do that. You have anything else, Greg, before we move on to the offense? So, you know, I I just wanted to say that, you know, I, I think that snap into action this NFL season with FanDuel, America's number one sports book. Right now, new customers get $200 in bonus bets guaranteed when you place a $5 bet. That's $200 in bonus bets, win or lose. I love those little suckers, those little bonus bets. It's like free money. If you've been thinking about joining FanDuel, there's no better time to get in on the action. The app is easy to use. There's a wide range of betting options, including spreads, player props, over-unders, and more. So visit FanDuel.com slash Boston 
and kick off the NFL season. FanDuel, official partner of the NFL. 21 plus and present in mass. Hope is here. First online real wager only. $10 first deposit required. Bonus issued at non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire seven days after receipt. Restrictions apply. See terms at sportsbook.fanduel.com. GamblingHelplineMA.org or call 1-800-327-5050 for 24-7 support. Play it smart from the start. GameSenseMA.com or call 1-800-GAM-1234. You know, this team, you know, when you look at it, you know, where they are, look, there's 13 games left. And and I think this this game, um, to me, felt a lot like the Kansas City game in 2014. Now, I'm not comparing these teams. We know who the quarterback was. We know that that team had Super Bowl talent on it and when it ended up winning the Super Bowl that year. But, you know, they went out there, they lost, I think, 41-14, national television, Kansas City. Tom Brady was terrible in the game, threw a pick six, got got pulled with, like, most of the fourth quarter left. Jimmy Garoppolo came in. There were questions, Belichick fielded questions after the game about, is Tom Brady still your starter? You know, so these things, <laughs> these things happen. They do even to the, even to the best. And, and, you know, we might as well get into the quarterback right now, you know, while we're at it, you know, cause, cause it's look, Tom, I know we all think of Tom Brady that he was perfection when he's here. Let me break it to you. He was not perfect when he was here. Okay. He had six games with four interceptions. He had Woo! 49 games in his career with at least two interceptions, which is what Mac had the other day. Um, there have been games where he looked terrible, where nobody was open. The pressure was getting to him. He saw ghosts and what, what we saw from Mac Jones on Sunday to me, once the strip sack happened, he was fine until then, then the strip sack happened, which look can't happen. He got sped up and that's what happens when your quarterback has faced just undying pressure to start this season. And, and you know, I'll bring up my stats now. On Sunday, okay, on Sunday, he was pressured 52% of the time. It was by, by far the most he has ever faced in a game with the Patriots in his career. Uh, not coincidentally, it's the worst he's ever looked. That's what pressure does to a quarterback. I don't care who it is. I don't care yep. if you're Tom Brady in his prime. If he's pressured on over 50, over half his dropbacks, he's going to get affected. And Mac Jones was affected in that game. He got all out of sorts. This has probably never happened to him. I mean, going back to Alabama and the line that the, he had there, he's probably never been in this position. But what I saw was a quarterback that lost his mind. And that is the effect that pressure has on quarterbacks. And, and it's not just this game. You know, to start the season in the first four weeks, in, in four games, he's been sacked eight times. He's been hit another 20 times. He's been hurried 40 times. That's 68 total quarterback pressures. That's a pressure rate of 41.2%. And just to give you some context, in my history of doing this, you know, with Brady, with pocket quarterbacks, um, about 33% is sort of like the dividing line. Anything over that, you know, you're – you're chancing it for the quarterback. Anything over 40, you're in big trouble. That quarterback basically needs to pull the game out of his rear end. Anything over 50, red light, you're done. And for the season, he's he's been pressured 41% of the time. 
Their run blocking was terrible on Sunday. It was like 54% stuffed run rate for the year. It's 35%. So more than one in three of their carries goes for one yard or less. The blocking is terrible. The pressure got to Mac Jones. And I know some people are like, oh, look at his attitude on the sideline. Look at him after the game. That's, that's the effect that pressure has on quarterbacks. It's basically like PTSD. Like, I think he was in shock. Like, it's one of those, like, you know, I'm sure a lot of our, our listeners have seen the movie Slapshot. You know, remember the goalie when he when he has all those shots in the game and they they he goes back in the locker room and he's still seeing shots and he's freaking out and he sees <laughs> like that's what happens to the quarterback. Mac Jones was seeing ghosts. Anytime he saw Micah Parsons, even a part of his jersey, like in you know, after the strip sack and after the pick six, like he, he was freaked out. One play, I thought that he forgot what the play was when he dropped back. He just took off. He went into a three-step drop. Nobody else was doing that. He just took off. Like He he, he lost it. And, but to me, that's not an indictment on Mac Jones, the possible franchise quarterback for this team. It was a low moment for sure. It was terrible. But I'm telling you, this happens to every single quarterback and would have happened to just about every quarterback on Sunday if they were behind that Patriots line against that Dallas Cowboys pass rush. Completely agree with you. I could not agree with you more. Go back to Patrick Mahomes against Tampa. Remember Mm -hmm. his offensive line was banged up and Mahomes had no time to throw the football and and it was everybody's go, what's wrong with Mahomes? People don't like talking about the offensive line because it's not sexy. The quarterback is sexy. The quarterback you can break down because everybody watching the quarterback could say, oh, bad decision. We can all see it. We all know it. We don't really know when an offensive guard doesn't necessarily block somebody the way he's supposed to, right? We don't really know when they're you know, not blocking slants and all of that up front. We don't know those intricacies of trench play because it's boring and it's stuff and Greg brings it up and people go crazy on Greg. Oh, offensive line play. But what what Greg is saying is absolutely the truth. Any quarterback, any quarterback on God's green earth, if they're getting pressured more than 50% of the freaking time in a game, guess what? That quarterback's not going to play well. Now, does that excuse the decision-making? No. you gotta, you got to take care of the football in the strip sack. You can't throw across the field for the pick six. That's a horrendous decision, and nobody, nobody is defending that. This game was mostly on Mac to a point because of those plays and the way that he played. But if you're if you're expecting a quarterback, quarterback Y, to be back there in the pocket on Sunday and be able to pick apart this Dallas defense, given the situation that Mac was facing, you have unreasonable expectations. That's on you. I also want to just look at the coaching for a minute because there is a reason why all of this pressure is happening. And one shining example of that is by leaving Micah Parsons on an island against Vidarian Lowe multiple times in this game. It, Bill Belichick will forget more football than I will ever learn. But Greg and I and many others talked last week. And if you are going into this game as an offense, if you have one job, we talk about doing your job. If you had one job this week that we just saw against Dallas, if you had one job as an offensive line and as an offense, it would be pay attention to Micah Parsons. How many times do we say it? Bill Belichick never gets beat by the best player on the other team. Micah had like 10 hurries in this game. He was was living in the backfield. How does that happen? It's not just a talent issue. You know Vidarian Lowe was awful against the Jets in, in pass protection. How was he left alone? 
the the strip sack happened Fowler one on one against Vidarian Lowe. So it, it's it, it's a lack of talent, and it's it's bad coaching. It's things that weren't happening until the last four or five years, and especially not at this consistent of a rate. Everybody and their mother knows Micah Parsons just absolutely can demolish a game. As a matter of fact, he's a big reason why that he just absolutely killed the Jets. Like, the Jets decided to go one-on-one. The, the Giants did some of that. Like, he's going to murder you when you do that. It, it's It's inexplicable. It's absolutely yeah. inexplicable. I, I I agree with you, Nick. About like you know, um, it looked like the game plan coming in by you know Bill O'Brien, and you know we talked about it last week. In full transparency, I was I thought the same thing. I thought that the Patriots were going to be able to go toe to toe with this Dallas defense. That yep. they were going to be able to run the ball between the tackles. Me too. Um, the the Cowboys are small on the interior, and they you know because we've seen them. You know the the Eagles game. Uh, you know, they ran, you know, a bunch of quick stuff. Um, they didn't run any quick stuff in this game. And, you know, part of part of their plan against Michael Parsons was to put tight ends over there. And those guys can't block their way out of a paper bag. And I think, you know, what really what I, I think really sunk this game um, was the play of Michael Winnie at right guard. There's no way going into this game that the Patriots anticipated that he would have the worst game of his career, not only with penalties, three penalties, but he was just he was awful in this game and you know to me that was a trickle down effect to you know they couldn't they couldn't couldn't run the ball you know i'm sure they had some things built into their game plan where they're going to do different runs and they're going to be ball control and they're going to do play action off of that but you know when when you know about ha- over half your runs go for 1 yard or less and how many negative runs that they have like it just it just limits what you can do and now all of a sudden you know, you're, you're, you're playing right into the hands of what the Cowboys want to do. And they, they, they are the type of team that if they get up on you, they smell blood and now they can pin their ears back. They can send more people. Like it was, it it was just, it was a bad, it, it was a bad game for everybody basically all the way around, but starting with the quarterback. I mean, look, I'm not going to excuse Mac Jones for the way he played. And if he plays like that again, he's going to get benched and maybe for longer, he has to take care of the ball. His job is, like, look, if your offensive line doesn't have it and guys aren't open, you know, you just got to throw the ball into the ground and you got to punt and you got to keep going to, cause at some point, maybe, maybe you got, maybe somebody makes a play. Maybe somebody falls down on Dallas and then all of a sudden you get a Pharaoh Brown touchdown. Like that's your job as the quarterback. And I think he forgot that. I think he also probably heard some of the voices that, you know, we're all talking about like, look, they're going to play a lot of man coverage. Max going to have to make plays. This is a chance for him to step up and have his game. And I think he tried to do too much. And I think yep. a lot of this week is going to be Bill O'Brien reeling things back in. But I mean, you know, with Mac Jones. But the number one thing is, if they don't figure out how to block better, not only pass blocking but also run blocking. If they don't get the run game going, if they don't get the blocking going, this offense has no shot. I don't hear. I don't care who the quarterback is. They have no shot this season. So that's where they have to start this week against, you know, a pretty good Saints defense. 55% stuffed runs uh, against the Cowboys on Sunday. So 53% pressure on the quarterback. 55% of your runs were stuffed. Not a good situation. Again, I, I will agree with you on Mac. I feel like we always have to circle back 
and each say that Mac made terrible decisions because as soon as you start talking offensive line, people's brains melt and they think that you're excusing some of the decision-making. No, it's not excuse. He was awful on Sunday. He was dreadful. It's the worst game of his career. We all agree about that. It's just, you know, to me, part of the conversation, and I, I heard this from a friend of mine who was texting me, you know, after the game about, oh, I don't like how Mac handled the sidelines. And that one picture of him, literally a half a second when he's like smiling at Bailey Zappi. Everybody's going bananas. I saw plenty of camera shots during the game where Mac looked like he wanted to just murder somebody and was upset and disappointed. But we don't talk about those hundreds of camera shots. We, we get the one smirk to Bailey Zappi for a half a second. And people think like, oh, he looked like he didn't care. I actually think it was the exact opposite. I agree with Greg, and I posted this on Sunday. After the strip sack, I posted this. After the strip sack, he sped up. He tried to do way too much. What he looked like to me was a guy that actually cared, was a guy that looked around and said, I've got to try to make a play because nothing's working. And he started Mm -hmm. to speed up thinking that way. So I think it's the opposite. I think he played so badly, not because he didn't care anymore. I think he started to press, and he started to put too much pressure on himself. He started to try to do too much. He knows you're not supposed to throw that football across the field. He knows that. He knows you're going to protect the football when you're running away from, from, a, from a pass rush. And I think he, he was just trying to do too much. With the busy fall season already in swing, you might be looking for wholesome, convenient meals for jam-packed days. Factor, America's number one ready-to-eat meal kit, can help fuel you up fast with chef-prepared, dietitian approved ready-to-eat meals delivered straight to your door. You'll save time, eat well, and stay on track with your healthy lifestyle. First of all, I got an email saying, like, be on the lookout for it when it was delivered. It it was ready to go. You could tell that it was fresh. These guys know what they're doing. Too busy to cook this fall, but want to make sure you're eating well. With Factor, skip the extra trip to the grocery store and the chopping, the prepping, the cleaning, too, while still getting flavor and nutritional quality you need. Factor's never frozen fresh meals are ready to, in just two minutes. So all you have to do is heat and enjoy and get back to crushing your goals. I love, this was my favorite one, loaded bacon shredded chicken with sauteed spinach, green beans, and ranch sour cream. This only has 650 calories. I got the keto option to keep with my diet. There are so many options over there. Basically anything you wanna do in terms of dietary restrictions, they can do it. You gotta check it out. Head to factormeals.com slash Bedard50. That's code Bedard50, B-E-D-A-R-D-5-0, at factormeals.com slash Bedard50 to get 50% off. Uh, two, two more things that I wanted to hit on that, Greg. Number one, this really began in the second half against the Jets. That, that's where this stuff really began. Mac was Good to really good in the first half, considering who we won against. Look at what the Jets did to Josh Allen and Patrick Mahomes. Did you see Mahomes on Sunday night? He wasn't good. He ran well for his life, (laughs) but he wasn't good. Josh Allen was abominable in week one. Turned the football over four or five times. In the second half, the Jets started to get to Mac, and Mac's level of play steadily declined. He came back into the Dallas game. The first two drives, I thought he played well. Gasicki, that throw was a fine throw, should be a touchdown. He was held, Mm -hmm. fight through the route, do what you got to do. But then I think, as you mentioned earlier, Greg, about PTSD, I think Max started to feel PTSD after after that strip sack. It was the second half of the Jets game, and then he started to think about, you know, seeing all these guys after him, 
And he was shook. He panicked. He freaked. He lost his mind. Quarterback can't do it. He did it. Fact. That's what happened. And, and so, you know, you see some of that and it happens to other quarterbacks. It happens to other guys. I forgot my second point. So I'll just move on. I, I want to look at the bigger offensive thing here because I, I find it difficult we're, we're, people are in this battle, right? You're, you're for some reason, it's always black or white. You're, you're anti-Mac or you're pro-Mac. You can't be like, all right, let's see what Mac can do if right. he actually has an offense that's working and functional. Greg, let me lay this out for you. You have pocket passing quarterback. The first thing you want when you have a pocket passing quarterback is at least a competent offensive line. Mm-hmm. Last time I checked, as Greg has illustrated to you during this pod, this is far from a competent offensive line. If you don't have a competent offensive line, you want to get rid of the football quickly. To get rid of the football quickly, you have to do one of two things. You have to scheme that up somehow, some way, and or you need quick receivers that can win at the line of scrimmage and that can get open within two seconds. So Mac doesn't have the offensive line that's competent. He doesn't have guys outside of Pop Douglas who played 18 snaps, which was less than Farrow Brown on Sunday. He doesn't have anybody at the line of scrimmage that can win, so he can't get rid of the football quickly all of the time. Then you would say, well, maybe he needs a legit number one receiver because there's been teams that don't have guys that win off the line of scrimmage, but they have that one guy that you can go to, that you can trust. You've got one dude on third down, have to have it. I've got him. Mac doesn't have that. Then you look at it and go, well, hey, okay, not a competent offensive line. No receivers that can win quickly. No legitimate number one threat as a pass catcher. Maybe we'll run the football. Nope. Can't run the football either. So let's let's take Mac's face and his name away from it. Let, let's just call Skippy McGee as your quarterback, okay? Skippy McGee, come on over. Let's say Skippy McGee was a first-round pick. He played in an SEC school. He had a really good college career. And Skippy McGee comes in, and he's a pocket passer. Okay. Is Skippy McGee going to survive what I just laid out to you? How many quarterbacks, Greg, in the league are going to be able to consistently, and this is not to excuse the decision-making that we've seen from time to time, I'll say it again, but how many quarterbacks, Greg, in the league are going to play at an above-average level week after week after week if you are handed what I just laid out to you? Only... Only a select few, like, you know, Josh Allen and probably Patrick Mahomes. And, and that's about it. I mean, you know, look at, look at the spot, uh, the, the start that Joe Burrow's off to this year with the Bengals and he has great wide receivers. A lot of it is his injury, of course, you know, but, but that's the thing about how these Patriots are constructed. And, you know, we, we've been talking about this for a long time. I mean, you know, if, if this is what Bill's going to do in the modern game, which is basically build Cleveland 1994, again, um, then he needs to go sell the farm and get some elite quarterback because that's the only person that's going to be able to operate this. I mean, you know, that that you have a guy that you're not sure of, and I'm not sure of. You know, I don't know. I mean, I, I think after his rookie year, I said, I think he might be the franchise guy. I don't know whether he is or not, but you have to know what you're – you have to play to your talent, and you have to know, all right, what's what type of player is my quarterback? What does he need around him? Why don't I go get him that? But Bill doesn't do that because Bill's a defensive guy. I mean, if he had, if Mac had an offensive head coach, it, you know, he he'd be fine. 
If you swapped Mac, Mac Jones and Brock Purdy, I don't think the results would be any different. But, you know, if, if, if Bill was being honest, if Bill was being true to his job and doing his job, then in the offseason, after what happened with last year with Matt Patricia, he would have said, all right, I'm going to beef up the offensive line. I'm going to either either go sign a, a, right, a, a legit right tackle for big money, or I'm going to draft one somewhat high in the draft. I am going to get him. Um, I'm going to re-sign Jacoby Myers probably, or I'm going to find better than Jacoby Myers, not broken down Juju Smith-Sanu. Um, <laughs> you know, they, they would have – they would have done a lot of things, and that's it. You would have, they would have gotten the guy a freaking third down back, like ever. Like you, you, you can't block. I mean, how many times have we seen Tom Brady? How many, how many games? Whether it was Shane Vereen with fourteen catchers or James White in the Super Bowl with twelve catches, it should have been Super Bowl MVP. Where you know when shit hits the fan, Tom could just toss it out to his running back who would make somebody miss. He pick up eight to twelve yards, like every time. Yep. yep. Going back to Kevin Falk. And he gives Mac Jones none of those things. And I, and people are surprised that the offense looks like this. I mean, look, I'm, I'll say this in defense of the Patriots. There's no way that Bill Belichick thought this offensive line was going to be this bad. You know, yeah. he thought he thought Trent Brown was going to be fine. He thought Cole Strange would be healthy and take a year two leap. Um, David Andrews is good. Michael Wenner would be good again. And uh, we'll figure out right tackle. You know, yep. but if we have to get by there, we can get by there. And and it's been worse than they ever imagined. So uh, some of that is just bad luck. Um, but you know, you have to do right by your players. We all talked about build. Bill puts players in positions to succeed. You know, all he's done for the past two, he did that to Mac Jones his his first year. All he's done his last two years is put him in positions to fail. And people are surprised that that he lost it on Sunday and, and finally broke. I mean, I just don't understand it. And, and, you know, and I don't understand the rush to judgment. We talked about this before the season. I said, look, you have a new coordinator. I don't care if it's the same family and it's familiar and all this stuff. There's a bunch of new pieces. It takes time, especially on offense. I mean, you see it right now with Vic Fangio and defense. Dolphins aren't hitting on all cylinders on defense yet. And they have injuries too. It t- it's going to take Vic Fangio time. The second half of the season is when those things take hold. And and it was just a matter of can the Patriots survive the first half of the season and not get not have too many losses before things start to get better. But they, they just did – I'm not making excuses for Mac Jones. He hasn't he, – he, he has made poor decisions. He hasn't proven that he can make winning plays in some of these games to pull games out. I readily admit that. And these are the big questions about him going forward. Can he do it? But Sunday, I do not think you can indict Mac Jones on Sunday. What transpired on that field, the Patriots were going to lose anyways. Even if he played perfect, they were probably going to lose like 24-3 to in that game, the way things were going defensively and on special teams and how they came out, missing tackles on defense and things. The team wasn't ready to go. And Mac paid the price. He, he, he made it worse, and that's where they are. Yeah, I think, you know, there's no better play that really gives you an idea as to what this offense is facing than the fourth and two, the second pick by Mac on Sunday. Go back and watch that play. And, you know, I, I posted about this as well at Nick C Radio, if you want to follow me, Nick Cattle Show podcast. But, uh, you know, I, I posted this the other day watching the game. The fourth and two play where he throws the pick where he's trying to get Juju on the quick out route near the chains. Go back and watch that play. 
And, and this is the collection of things that Greg and I have discussed over the last couple of years. Ramondre Stevenson cannot be the safety valve that Greg just brought up because Ramondre has to stay in the backfield to pass protect. Why? Because Dallas is playing man on the outside. Why? Because they don't believe your receivers are good enough to beat them. And they said it in the post game. Why did you play man all the time? Why did you play as a great? And they said, we played the way that we saw the film. We, we saw the film and we, and that's the way we, we, we thought we should play. I E none of these guys can get open consistently against us. Even, even without Trayvon Diggs, which is an indictment on this wide receiver crew. But you have Ramondre Stevenson pass protecting on, on, on the fourth down and short because Dallas is sending extra rushers. They can send those extra rushers because you're playing man on the outside. No one gets open on that play. Watch it. Nobody's open. And, and by the time that Max and the drop back, again, this is not the disclaimer that I feel like I got to throw out there all the time. This is not to excuse Mac Jones for bad decision. I'm just telling you why that play broke down. It wasn't a case of Mac just losing his mind on that specific play. It was the operation that's not working. The receivers weren't open. You didn't have the back as the safety valve because he has to protect your ass. And what happens? Pocket starts to collapse. Nobody's open. It's fourth down. Max either taking a sack. He's chucking it downfield to Devontae Parker so everybody can complain. Why are you taking a deep shot at Devontae Parker on fourth down and short? Or he's going to throw to Juju and hope a miracle happens. Maybe Juju will fight. Maybe he won't round off his route, which he did. Maybe these other things. What is he supposed to do in that situation? He's been given a crap sandwich. And... He's been bad at times, but I, I would look back and I'd say first three weeks of the season, I had him B minus B, B minus. Not great, but but okay. Mm-hmm. First three weeks, B minus B, B minus. Greg has said on this podcast, I think it's like seven out of the last 10 games or whatever it was heading into the Cowboys game. Mac had games where he had more plus plays than negative plays. This team is still losing consistently, even when Mac plays okay. And the fact is, they had a quarterback in his rookie season who played well enough, folks. He was named one of the top 100 players in the league by his fellow players. I won't do a Pro Bowl alternate, whatever. But he had a good, solid rookie season. And if you go back, there were seven games in that season that Mac Jones led them to a comeback. And they failed him five out of those seven games. Put them in position to win. It was fumbles by your running backs. It was the defense giving up big plays to Dallas. It was Bill Belichick going super conservative and and trying to kick a 50-plus yard field goal with Nick Folk when we all knew that wouldn't work out. It was punting in overtime when you shouldn't. He was in position. So when when you start to just look at all of these things at play, it's frustrating. And it's frustrating because, Greg, we've talked about it since 2019, man. And and I, I mentioned this on my pod this week. Tom Brady told all of us. When, when the Patriots started 8-0 and and Brady went to the podium miserable and Brady kept telling everybody, we're not as good as people think we are, people said, oh, that's, that's hard-o Brady. He's just spoiled. He's, he's used to winning so much. No, Brady looked around and said, we ain't got the horses that can win on the outside. Our offense is extremely limited. He knew that. He knew exactly what he was talking about. And they played losing football the rest of that season. The book, Greg, has been out on this offense, man, since 2019. 
play man mm-hmm. coverage, muck up the middle of the field, right? Take the short stuff away, play man, get aggressive on the front, and attack the quarterback. And he's not, it, and it doesn't matter. Brady in 2019 didn't have enough answers. Mac Jones right now doesn't have enough answers. And that, I'm just, I'm mystified how Bill Belichick, who we all consider to be one of the greatest, if not the greatest coach of all time, I'm mystified that he can look at this same problem year after year after year after year and fail to address it. It's staring us right in the face. Defense, get ready. The Saints, I'll give you a little preview before we get to the preview later this week. The Saints play man coverage a good amount. And guess what? Mm -hmm. When they play man coverage, they're really good. So guess what we're going to see on Sunday? We're going to see a a bunch of man coverage, aggressive up front, and they're going to test the receivers to win one-on-one. We've seen this movie before, Greg. Yep. And here's here's another stat for you. The Patriots, and, and to just tell you that, you know, this isn't about the quarterback, this isn't about the offense. This team dating back to last year. Last year they finished two and five down the stretch. They're one and three. They're three and eight in their last eleven games. Poof. If you think that's just about the quarterback, then I don't know what to tell you. This is about the coach, the team, where they're headed. Three and eight in their last eleven games. AG1 is the daily foundational nutrition supplement that supports whole body health. I drink it literally every day. I gave AG1 a try because I was tired of buying and taking a million different pills and vitamins. I wanted something quick, convenient, and packed with all the good and essential stuff I needed to get through the day. I drink AG1 first thing in the morning before starting my day, and it makes me feel like I I can take on the world. Tastes great, gives me a little boost, and then later on is the big payoff. Off AG1, I'm grinding to get through the day, looking at the clock. On AG1, I'm primed and sharp, especially mentally, for my very long days, especially during training camp. Covering my nutritional basis for the day literally couldn't be any easier, which is why I trust AG1. I just mix one small scoop with water and drink it first thing in the morning. Done. I also like that it costs less than $3 a day. Pretty good if you ask me. It's a really effective daily habit with high-quality sourced ingredients. Win-win. If a comprehensive solution is what you need for your supplement routine, then try AG1 and get a free one-year supply of vitamin D and five free AG1 travel packs with your first purchase. Go to drinkag1.com slash Bedard. That's drinkag1.com slash Bedard. Check it out. All right, Greg, before we uh, before we get to the defense, just you, you saw a Ryan Clark, Dan Orlovsky conversation that caught your attention. Um, what, what was that all about? What would you see oh, those guys talking about? Yeah, I forgot about that. Uh, it was it was basically what we talked about. Those guys are saying, like, you know, that Mac Jones doesn't have enough around him. Like you can't indict the quarterback. Then you have Rex Ryan calling him a pea shooter. And look, Mac, Mac has developed some bad habits, you know, back foot Mac is is a real thing and he needs to knock that crap off like he can't if he's back on his back foot and throwing like longer than even on even on he had a ball in the flat to Ramondre Stevenson that he threw off his back foot that he floated and it was on the wrong side of Stevenson and probably cost him three yards like little crap like that he's got to clean up that stuff um you know but but you know just in general they you know they they were just 
they were saying the same sort of things that we are. And I thought it was a, a good discussion about, you know, basically it's like, you know, you have to decide, like, what are you going to surround your quarterback with? I mean, you know, look at Brock Purdy, look at Tua, you know, winning teams, highly productive offenses. Are they the most talented guys in the world? No. Why are they doing it? Great offensive coaches with scheme and talent on the outside. Plus, you know, Brock Purdy's got Christian McCaffrey and a bunch of running backs. He's got Kittle and Ayuk and and uh, Debo, dude. Debo, like, I mean, come on. And you're you're trying to you're trying to compare what <laughs> Mac Jones has around him to like these guys. I mean, it's 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 a joke, and it's just it surprises me. You know, Patriots fans, you know, are smart, and and you know, I do think. I haven't heard I surprisingly I haven't gotten much blowback about telling people like it was bad but settle down. So maybe they maybe they understand but you know to me this whole Patriots season probably Belichick's future, maybe Mac Jones's future comes down in the next two games. Like they I don't care what happens, they have to figure out how to win these games. I feel bad for Mac that it's the Saints this week because this is no break on defense like you just no. said. With Cam Jordan lined up over Whatever they have at right tackle this week, it could be Vidarian Lowe, it could be Riley Reef. Like Cam Jordan is freaking good, and uh, Demario Davis, the middle linebacker, is freaking good, and they have a good safety, and they play great press man. Like you know, this is Mac needs a mental break. Like I wish the Raiders were this week because the Raiders can't play defense at all. But you know, it he'll be fine when they play the Raiders. But this is no break for him. But he's got to. Look, it happened probably for the first time ever in his career, dating back to Pop Warner when he was under this kind of pressure in that kind of game on the road without much help around him. But now he's got to learn from it, and it's on Bill O'Brien to to shepherd him through this and figure out, okay, Mac, if this happens again, because it's going to happen again, how are we going to deal with it? How are we going to play better? And I and I think that he will. Mac's a, Mac's a, a smart kid. It means a lot to him. You know, I did – I the the little grin on the sideline. I took it as he probably told him like, "Well, you can't do any worse than I just did." You know, sort of bringing a little levity to the moment. You know, somebody's going in. You know, not a big deal. I think he was in. I think he was stunned, shocked, in shock after the game. Um, you know, just let let's see how he rebounds from this. Yeah, I mean, uh, he wasn't angry or pissed or throwing things for six to 60 full minutes. God forbid. Uh, all right, let, let's get to the other side of the football quickly here, Greg, because all this attention and we've paid most attention to the offense and Matt, cause that's been the story this week because how bad it was, but the defense, you don't think they should be let off the hook after Sunday. Hell no. The Cowboys ran right down the field on the opening possession. What was it? 29 yards on the second play. Cause Marte Mapu wasn't in the right place in, in zone defense. Um, they let up big runs. The only re you know, I've heard from a lot of Patriots fans. Well, the defense did their job. They only gave up two field goals and a touchdown. I mean, come on. The tight end dropped a touchdown on the opening drive. Dak Prescott and, uh, and Pollard ran into each other on third and goal where if they just handed it off, it was probably a touchdown. They had the right call. They just got it mixed up. I mean, look, the Cowboys went down. First of all, they held the ball for 10 minutes in the first quarter, 10. The Patriots only got one possession in the first quarter uh, because the Cowboys were just, they did whatever they wanted to. Um, they scored. They had, they had at least 10 plays and at least 70 yards on three of their first four drives. The only other one was a typical Mike McCarthy. Let's throw three times 
um, on crappy pass routes because that's just what he does. Trust me, I've covered him for years. This is what he does. If he just handed the ball off, the Cowboys would have like owned the entire first half. Um, by the end of that fourth possession, the, the Patriots defense had allowed the Cowboys to gain 210 yards on 34 plays. That's 6.2 per play. Okay, that inc- even includes like in- incompletions, you know, stops. 6.2 yards per play. They were going through the Patriots. Um, the Patriots, you know, I will give them a little bit of credit because uh, Steve Belichick, as opposed to like the Bills or the Dolphins, Nick, it was funny. Did, did you see any of the Bills-Dolphins game on, on Sunday? Did you see the Bills playing any three deep safeties in that game? Or did you see them like not getting any pressure on Tua? No, I saw a Bills defense that whooped the Dolphins and were all over Tua and turned them over and made plays on defense against the Dolphins. That's what I saw. Did you see that? I saw that. I saw that. Yeah. Okay. I, I didn't. I didn't sure have. I saw that right. I I will push back a little bit. I didn't have. I'll say it again. And I know they could have given up a couple of other plays in the Dolphins game, but I didn't hate the approach to kind of limit the big plays. And yes, they played conservatively. What bit them in the ass against Miami was red zone defense in the first half, two out of three, they, they gave up touchdowns. They allowed Miami to finish drives, which was, you know, n- not the point of it all. You know, that's not, that's not what you're supposed to do right. <laughs> when you're fair, when fair, you're going against that enough. team. Fair enough. But I will give Steve Belichick, you know, credit. Um, they actually tried to make plays on defense in this game. I mean, they blitzed Dak, 40% of the time in this game. They blitzed the they blitzed the crap out of Zach Wilson, which is not a surprise. They always do that with weaker quarterbacks. I was surprised they did it in this game. Uh maybe it was because of, you know, when Gonzalez went went out, they they weren't sure whether they could cover um long enough, but they only got pressure on 21% of Dak's um dropbacks. Like he he had it easy. At times he could have, you know, a recliner back there. Uh they did not get a whole lot of pressure on him and and you know, I'm sorry, when when you construct the team this way, I'm not even going to get into special teams and how they gave up a two-point conversion and Joe Cardona had a holding penalty and they let their, their punt returner get creamed for a two-yard loss. When you're constructed this way and you put all your eggs in the defensive basket and you're like, this defense is going to be elite, they're going to carry us, they're going to do such and such. Like, you, this team, this defense needs to play better. They need to go and make plays in these games. Like, you know, Dallas got after the Patriots, and guess what? They turned them over and got two touchdowns off of it. You're talking about a defense last year that that scored seven touchdowns last year. Um, You know, they had almost like average, like almost like four sacks a game last year. They don't have, they don't have any, uh, I think they have like two turnovers this year. They have no touchdowns. And they're only getting like two and a half sacks a game. Like, you know, they need they need more out of the defense, especially if the offense is struggling. They got to go make plays. And I don't think the defense has made enough plays early on in this season. All right, before we get up to three up, three down, uh, I want to remind you, BSJ, 50 bucks a year. Bedard and Giardi crushing it with Patriots coverage. Uh, always great stuff from them. Also, this episode brought to you by FanDuel, exclusive wagering partner of the CLNS Media Network. New customers get $200 in bonus bets guaranteed when you place a $5 bet. Uh, so thanks to those guys. All right, three up, three down. I'll go first. I've got one up and the rest suck. Dietrich Wise, congratulations. You were good. <laughs> nice. I had him on my list. I had Jelani Tavai is my number one up. Um, this was probably the best game 
I've ever seen him play. Now, that being said, he did have the edge on that 46-yard run um, sort of late in the game. Um, they, they got him on that. But I thought Tavai was, was great in this game. Dietrich Wise was my number two. He was very impactful in this game. And then I tossed one more in just to rub it in a little bit uh, because Demario Douglas, guy actually gets thrown the ball. Guess what? He makes a 42-yard play. Pharaoh Brown played more snaps than him. Yeah, I mean, I don't know. Call me crazy, but you might want to get that guy some touches. Maybe. I don't know. Uh, what do you got for down? Oh, the whole team. <laughs> Every single one of them. <clears throat> Other than wise, I'll, I'll, I'll jump on to Vi for you. And Pop, yeah, Pop made a play. So that was that was good. But uh, everybody else can get thrown in the trash from Sunday. There you go. I, I went with Mac Jones, number one yeah. down. Just to make sure everybody they stink, stank, and stunk. <laughs> um, uh, Vidarian Lowe had oh, now look, God. Micah Parsons was there. Micah is Micah. Um, again, don't understand the Patriots plan, and including an NFL exec told me the Cowboys, Dan Quinn's really good at showing you where you're weak because that's where he parks Micah Parsons all game. Guess where he parked him over right tackle, but the Patriots didn't anticipate that, they didn't have a real good plan for that. <laughs> Their plan was to put Hunter Henry and Mike Kosicki over there who couldn't block oh, their way man. out of a paper bag against anybody. Yeah, wonderful. Um, and my third down was Michael Wenu. Um, I looked back, the worst game he's ever played as a Patriot, um, according to my grading, also PFF's grading. He was horrendous in this game. I don't know what's going on with him, but holy hell, if he keeps playing like that, if the right, the right side of the line is just, you know, it, it's a highway to hell. It's it's a dire landscape. Like the rest of the line's okay, but you know, holy hell, those guys are terrible. So yeah, good times. This was fun. Um, we got ready for this, and we got you ready a little bit for the Saints uh, talk later on this week. But uh, we'll have a lot more on that game. We'll see what happens here over the next couple of days if there's any breaking news. And if you feel sad, just remember that the Boston Celtics traded for Drew Holiday. Yeah, uh, he's Greg. Say, when do the Celtics start? Uh, soon, soon. Bruins are next week. Not soon Celtics couple, Celtics couple weeks. We'll see. We'll see what happens. But Drew Holiday was nice. Uh, everybody, uh, I don't know. Try, try to get through it. Try to forget what happened on Sunday. We'll be back later in the week to uh, again preview the Saints game. He's Greg, and I'm Nick. What if there was an app that used AI and machine learning to suggest smart sports bets? There is, and it's called Odds Are. It is a mobile app you need to know what bets of the day are smart ones. Download the app, sign up for an account, and let the latest data analysis guide you through today's point spreads, money lines, and over-unders. I just did it. It's easy. If you see green, that's a smart bet. If you see yellow, you're on your own. If you see red, don't do it. Odds are doesn't take your bet. It makes you better at it. With Odds Are on your mobile phone, you're a tap away from making a smart play. It's smart betting made simple. Find Odds Are app in the App Store or on Google Play. Get a two-free-week trial. It's just 10 bucks a month after that. But hey, listen to that. That's for the usual people, the normal people. Listeners to this podcast, the Greg Bedard Patriots podcast, you actually get a special deal. Get your first 30 days of the app free. Just go to oddsr.com slash Bedard to download the app. That's oddsr.com slash Bedard. 30 days of smarter betting free. We'd call that a winning bet. 
The casinos and sportsbook want you to bet. Odds are wants you to win. Go get it. 